Welcome back to Mastering Retail, a podcast masterclass covering everything you need to know about e-commerce brought to you by Flywheel Digital. This is our fifth and final episode of our Target Masterclass season, and today we are learning about retail and media data points, which is another way of phrasing the importance of, wait for it, Metail. I am your host, Emma Irwin, and I'm a senior editor and specialist at Flywheel. My two guests today are going to go back and forth from the retail and media perspective to tell us about how, when retail and media data points are intertwined, we can help brands build out long-term strategies that support profitability. We'll also conclude Corey's journey to becoming a better tennis player, but you'll have to wait until the end of this episode for it. And if you have no idea about this, you should go back and listen to the whole season all the way through. You've already met both of our guests, but I'll let them introduce themselves again as a reminder. My name is Corey Hammond, and I am the Vice President of Retail Enablement. My name is Toby Wilsey, and I am the Senior Director of Media overseeing our target media activations. Throughout this season, we've already heard about the last things that Corey and Toby purchased from Target, which are a dish rack and a gaming headset, respectively. So let's get straight into the content. In our last episode, we discussed the process of extracting data from the Target API and turning it into useful dashboards for our clients to understand their business performance across almost any period of time. So now, we have the data in our hands. But as we've learned throughout this entire podcast, retail and media can be kind of siloed in how they operate and probably even more so when it comes to the data. So I asked Corey and Toby to tell me about how we're thinking about bringing these data points together. Toby's up first. You know, when we think about how do media and retail play together, it's a bit of thinking about, to me, it's like a a hallway of doors. And so when the average advertiser is walking through this hallway, they see two unlocked doors and they walk through them. One is the retail door, one is the media door. And what they don't realize is that there are all these doors in between that are currently locked to them. And by taking these two data sets and bringing them together, they unlock those doors and start to see different ideas of how their media is actually impacting their retail and vice versa. So when we take these data sets, what we're doing is bringing them into different dashboards to overlay those two different disparate media sets and retail sets and understanding how does my retail placement impact my media capability and how does my media drive up my placement on site. It's a bit of a cyclical cycle, but at the end of the day, they both play together perfectly and one without the other is never the best strategy. And what's really cool about this in regard to Target is that on the retail side, the sales data is actually pretty transparent. Uh, You don't just have online sales, you don't just have in-store sales. It's not just all clumped together and says, this is your sales. Instead, it's actually saying this sale originated online. It was picked up in store. So having all of that really great organic sales, retail sales data and combining that with media, I think is a perfect match and could set the stage for what we do together on the media and retail sides in any other retailer uh, we expand to. And I was thinking about how like your team is has been focusing a lot on the retail side of things. And then Toby, I know your team oversees a lot of the media side of things, but how in our lens, like how are we working together when it comes to Target and offering that full service offering? With what we've seen on other platforms, there's something called a relevancy score. And we believe the Target search algo and Target media runs in a similar way. And What our running hypothesis is right now is the foundational work, the attribution updates, the imagery updates that increase click-through rates on top search keywords for the items that are above the fold on page one. All of that organic work 
is contributing to a higher relevancy score, which could improve media spend and lower cost per click. So we are working with the expectation that the retail work is not just you step in, you execute on the work and you walk away. Instead, it's we step in, we tell Toby and his media team, hey, these are the items we're touching. Let's get strategic on the media side the second we optimize those listings. And then we'll just start seeing that effect immediately. Absolutely. And and within the media side, it's it's very similar where, you know, we're working with the retail team and, and Corey's activations within his team set to understand those items that we can promote, but then also working back with them when we, you know, maybe get a priority from one of our advertisers. I'd really like to focus on this one and we'll start to promote that item, find intricacies that are not working for our, our promotion capability. And then we can go work back with Corey and his team to understand where do we need to maybe make some retail adjustments to allow better media activation for this particular product that the advertiser wants to focus on. I really thought I was going to be able to just say one of my smarter things in this series, which was going to be sometimes client gives the media team a priority ASIN and then media team's like, hey, this needs to be optimized in said way. Retail team, go take it back. But Toby got that one for me. (laughs) I was like, ooh, the gears are spinning. But you can imagine that methodology, it's done every single day on the Amazon side only until recently flywheel hasn't been able to do that on the target side and i can say pretty confidently there's no one else out there thinking about it in this way that retail and media need to work collaboratively and there's always that yin and yang to providing the support media needs and then media coming back to us and saying hey these are the items we're focusing on now can you put the foundational work into it so that we can be successful as a company and Are you thinking about it in terms, do you bring some of your findings and just those efficiencies of working as retail and media? Do you bring that info back to Target and say, hey, look at what we've discovered? That's what we'll be doing in the next uh, few months. So we are already very much partners on the Roundell side, and Toby can speak to that. But what we're doing as we speak is connecting those dots, creating strong enough case studies that show the success of our efforts to the brands that we work with, and then bringing not just the case studies, but also the brands as partners to Target. Because we don't want this just to be a one-to-one relationship with us telling Target, hey, we did this, look how great we are. Instead, we actually want it to be way more collaborative, this triangle partnership where we have the brand, Flywheel, and Target all in the same room, strategizing on how they can be best in class, not just on Target.com, but across all of e-commerce. Through the work of Corey's team and the partnership with our media colleagues such as Toby, we want to establish efficiencies between organic, which can otherwise be thought of as retail elements, and media, which is something that hasn't really been visualized well before. So I wanted a concrete example of establishing an efficiency here from Toby, and also from Corey. Why hasn't this been visualized before? You know, when we are activating within media, oftentimes the relevancy, is, as Corey mentioned, is, is pretty strict. To be able to actually serve within target placement requires a set quality score, requires you to have a certain capability within a particular taxonomy. And so if the item is not set up properly, we will find that we're not able to advertise there. I have a great example, which is that we were trying to advertise, we took over a, a client's business. And when we took over this advertiser's business, they were they were selling candy. And we looked through all their historical data and said, you know, you don't have any data against the keyword candy. 
the number one keyword in the category. Why have you never been delivering there? And their response was, we didn't even know we weren't delivering there. That seems important. And we went and looked and it's because their taxonomy was completely incorrectly built. Their items were not set up to serve on the term candy. So once we got this fixed, all of a sudden candy became their number one keyword because that's what everyone's searching and their sales went through the roof. So it was just a simple change within their retail scape to allow their media to dynamically act in a way that had never run before. Historically, and even today, retail and media data points have been siloed. And one thing we talked about in the earlier episode with Amanda was how on the back end with Data Lake within Flywheel, we are connecting retail and media data points for the first time. And not only are we making this accessible to our account managers to connect the dots uh, very quickly by accessing the DC app themselves, but we're trying to get this to the customer, to our, our brands as well. And so not only are we wanting to just to have tables that show retail and media data points, we also want to visualize that through charts. So if we can see that a campaign was turned on in the beginning of the month, and then we made attribute changes halfway through the month, we need to be able to see that in real time to make sure that the media managers have all of the most up-to-date information in regard to the items that they're bidding on. Absolutely. And and with that visualization, it really makes uh, Decor's point a lot easier for the entire team to be able to activate. And it's the same thing with the media data. You know, media has never been able to be visualized over top of sales data to understand is that media actually impacting top line. So we're now starting to be able to visualize that in a way that's never been seen before so that we can understand, is my media activation impacting my overall sales and what adjustments need to be made? So that married with the visualizations of the retail sets to understand what's my taxonomy, what are the changes being made, organic rank, all these different you know features and, and data sets allow us to be able to tell a full picture, whereas before we were painting half a picture, and I think every agency out there was. That inspires me to ask about, because AMC has been such a topic of late and like such priority for our own business, and talking about these journeys and pulling everything together reminds me of what AMC helps us understand. Is there like an equivalent when it comes to target data? Do we think that's coming? It doesn't exist today, but they definitely are interested in it. Clean rooms are the next big thing. Everyone was chasing e-commerce advertising for the last five years, and the major brands have gotten into it, right? Target, Walmart, uh, Instacart. You know, coming out of nowhere over the last you know five years and now being you know behemoth and grocery they've all entered into the space and now the next big hot thing is is clean rooms and amazon's way ahead of the curve there walmart's working on them right now target's starting to explore it and we're working to assist target with that capability with our own team uh, and leaders in the clean room space and how would that change any of like the visualizations measurement modeling that we're able to do yeah. So, I mean, when, when you get a clean room, you immediately get the insights and data sets from an anonymous user. When you don't have a clean room, the data sets you get can only be so specific because retailers have to protect user identity. It's a legal requirement. They cannot just be giving out different data sets at a, at a more granular user basis. They're aggregated across thousands of millions of users. When you get a clean room, it allows you to take that data and actually disseminate it down to the individual user, but it's anonymized so that you're still not risking giving out any personal information of that user. So by getting that information, you can now all of a sudden understand how consumers are shopping in a way you've never seen before. And on top 
of that, understand how consumers are hitting their ads. One of the biggest takeaways coming out of you know Amazon's marketing cloud and, the, and their uh, clean room is the ability to see multi-touch attribution. So when a consumer saw a display ad, what drove them to then go to site? How did they go to site? Did they search a certain term? Did they start in a category and end up in brand? You can see all that. None of that exists without a clean room. With all of this information focused on the right now, what about the future? What could the future of retail and media data points look like when working together? I've been talking a lot with Toby about omni retailer measurement, and it's great we're starting with Target and connecting the dots between retail and media. I think that's a necessity in order for us to look at this larger picture of how do we expand that beyond just Target. And I think what's really promising is just how easy it has been. And easy is probably not the right word, but from the outside looking in, it will look easy when the client logs in and we'll see in the DC app, retail and media data points working together cohesively. But to expand that to other retailers, that's I think when we're going to unlock modeling that we've never seen before, uh, to connect the dots between retail and media and see how media leads to incremental sales, not just on target, but across all these other channels. Uh, that's really what I'm excited for. I can just say completely agree with everything Corey said. It's the, the partnership that comes there and the way we're going to work together is just something that will unlock a lot of capability that doesn't exist today because it's a back and forth between the team members. And I, uh, I, I mean, I'm sure we've used this word a ton. It's in the, the podcast name. It's Metail, right? It's, it's bringing it all together in one holistic approach. I came to like this episode because I was like, we haven't actually really talked about Metail since like the beginning. And everyone at this point, because I have to say it in every beginning and intro, <laughs> that it's media and retail. But it, this is like a two years later. This is It's still what we're looking at and it's still important. But hey, this is how things have evolved and how data has changed. And we know more about the data and how it can work together. Yeah, I mean, another example of how retail is supporting media efforts is media doesn't necessarily see weeks of inventory on hand, broken down by region, broken down by store. Whereas on the retail side, that's something we're always looking at because we need to provide the client with SKU level forecasting. We need to tell them, hey, for these million units, this is how you should distribute it across the US for target stores. And if we're giving Toby and his team that data, they can now get very, very strategic and say, all right, when this inventory hits and we see weeks of supply go up to seven plus weeks, we turn on media. That kind of collaboration has not happened ever before. Corey, I think this is more so a question for you, but I'm, it's building off of a conversation Toby and I had earlier today. We were talking about how many different places there are just to like set up a campaign on target when you get through, you know, the search partners and then Roundel and display and everything, and then even just measuring everything and pulling it all together. Would you say future state is for like all of this information to live in the DC app? Yeah. So version 1.0, it's going to be mostly read. So we're just going to be able to read the data. But as we develop this partnership with target, we will actually be able to write data as well. So content edits today, clients will either go directly into Launchpad which is an app within Partners Online, and they'll edit attribution right there. But what we are working towards is the ability to have the DC app pull up a, an edit window and edit your attribution right there. 
And there's a lot of attribute mapping that has to happen, but that's what we're here to do is to simplify something that's very complex. So yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to get us to that point. And it's just a matter of building into those APIs and furthering the partnership with Target. Being able to edit attributes within the DC app that just flipped, that was one of the best things I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> <laughs> As someone who not on Target, but does a lot of attribute and its equivalencies on like Amazon updating. Wow, what a life that could be for us. Goals to make it easy. It's the same thing with media where we're, we're looking to do something that from to my understanding has not been done yet, which is to visualize Roundel's display data sets. And by doing that in partnership with the retail data sets, you unlock something you haven't been able to do before across any advertiser. You know, Target has this wealth of information, as Corey mentioned earlier, it's not very clearly outlined. It's generally in Excel spreadsheets. If you know how to manipulate Excel spreadsheets, great. Most don't, not in the way that you need to when it comes to that data set. So by visualizing this, it makes it usable for everybody. The last section for us to cover here has to do with profitability. Why? Well, having the data to build out your long-term e-commerce strategy is important and growing sales and share are also important. But at the end of the day, every brand wants to make money and see profitable outcomes from their e-commerce endeavors. Let's have Toby tell us more about this. You know, when you're thinking about profitability, when you're running just media, you cannot understand the true profit margin of an item. Um, and that's just because you don't have access to the backend data set. So within Target, that's in Partners Online. And it goes even further because, you know, these retailers just show their profitability to the retailer. So within the retailer's lens, what's the profitability? By having the retail team, you also have that extension of the advertiser. And so not only do you see the profitability with the retailer, but you see this extension of the actual profit profitability of the advertiser. And all of a sudden, we can understand how we need to activate items to not only drive sales, but drive sales in a profitable way. That's all married into the dashboards that we're building. So previously to being able to have a, a full service activation, you might be activating items just based on what the advertiser tells you to activate. These are my profitable items, activate them. But those things change constantly. So by having a dashboard that actually pulls in those data sets, we can automatically and algorithmically adjust our campaigns based on where our profit lies and which items are the most effective at driving sales and marry those two things together to have an effective ad strategy that is also profitable for both the advertiser and the retailer. Because if it's profitable for the retailer, the advertiser is happy. Because when a retailer is happy, an advertiser is happy. And we're happy too. And we're always happy. As we begin to wrap this episode up, I didn't need any more key takeaways from Corey and Toby, but I wanted to know what they were both the most excited about in the future for us, whether that be in relation to Target or across every Omni retailer. Over to Corey first. Something that Mark Menino. Remember him? Two-time guest of the podcast, COO of Flywheel Digital. Has talked about recently uh, with my team is retailer relationships and having product and tech always top of mind in these retailer relationships is something that I think will really move the needle on how Target and other retailers evolve in this e-commerce landscape. And so if we can continue being innovative and thoughtful in how we approach problems, and rather than going straight to the solution of, oh, let's just manually pull everything, but instead think through with the with the retailer on how we build a solution that is scalable and leveraging tech, that is something I'm really excited to go down this path with Target. Yeah, and I mean, 
Corey said it really well. I, I completely agree with that. But to give my own my own take, so I'm not just like that uh, <laughs> from, from my side. You know, I, what I'm really excited about is as someone who always wants to delight our clients and delight advertisers and make sure that we build a, a, a product that is going to be usable for these different brands. It's really exciting to me to bring this all together into one dashboard. And, you know, in this very near state future, we're going to be able to not only do this on their behalf, but give them an area where they can actually come in and visualize this to be able to see your retail data, your search data, your display data, which currently lives in three disparate places today and not in an easily visually compelling way. You now have a one-stop shop to manage your overall target activations. And so it means that while we are able to do things in a more easier and scalable solution for our team internally, what really excites me is what it means for, for those advertisers and their ability to now look at something that before they were never able to understand. And with these visuals, they can easily grasp what is happening in their business. Last question, Toby, you're welcome to share a second item on your digital wish list, but I have to keep harassing Corey for now his third item on his digital wish list, which as a reminder, first was a tennis racket. Second was a tennis membership in New York City to actually play the tennis. And so third is tennis balls. <laughs> what is the third item? <laughs> oh, I know what it's going to be. But Toby, you can go first. So my second item on the digital wish list for, for anyone who didn't hear the first, it was a Blackstone griddle, which I will never buy, but will always <laughs> sit in that cart. The second one is probably, you know, I'm going to stick with my grilling theme here, a smoker. I've always wanted to get one of the big green eggs or one of these one of these smokers. And, you know, right now I just have a smoker box. And again, I'm just not willing to pay those hundreds of dollars for a fully stationed smoker, nor would my wife really want that on our deck. So forever it will live in the <laughs> wish list. Corey, uh, Corey, what's number three? All right. So to stay with this theme of Corey likes the outdoors, tennis racket was the first and then tennis membership. Yeah. So rather than doing the tennis membership, the digital wish list that I would never buy a tennis court. Ah. Hey, that's pretty good. But I mean, if, if I play my cards right, we get the tennis court and then I sell memberships and oh then it just pays, pays itself back. There you go. But I need land. I was going to say, I feel like... I live in New York City, so... Where you live, I don't feel like you have the space for a tennis court with on, on your property. Not at all. Here's a theory. Buy the rooftop of a building. Make that a tennis court. That'll be a hot commodity. Rooftop tennis. That's just gonna, don't. Yeah, just don't hit your ball off the top. Well, you know, you know what my next digital wish list item would be is a rooftop. So, in order to get the tennis court, there you go. And then you can up the price for the tennis memberships on the rooftop, <laughs> like you add a bar and other courts as well. That's when Corey retires from advertising yeah. and just runs his rooftop tennis business. We're giving him too many ideas here. People are gonna look up. He's like, "Where's Corey now?" He's like. Dude owns a tennis court in a bar. What? He did so much work in the world of like e-commerce and everything, and then tennis courts was where <laughs> he finished. His passion always lied there. <laughs> and with that, we are at the absolute end of our Target Masterclass season of Mastering Retail. Thank you so much for tuning in and be sure to listen through the whole season so that you walk away with everything we think you need to know about Target.com. Stay tuned for what's next for Mastering Retail and be sure to share it with your network. I have been your host, Emma Irwin, and this episode was produced by Klaus Cancel with sound design by Edie Satenge. See you next time. <laughs>